following is a GNC podcast production. And welcome back to Geek Addicts, the nostalgia podcast that I. I'm just, I give up. I can't do an intro. I'm Bill. <laughs> I'm Bill. This is Matt. How you doing, Matt? How's it going? Uh, it's good. You know, it's weird. Like I, it took me forever to ma- memorize the 3DO one, and I still fucked that up. So. Yeah, whatever. Not a big deal. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's been a, been a week. Finally, first, whole week of 2024. That's insane. Yeah, right. Uh, it's been been crazy already, friggin' trying to get back into the swing of work and all that. It feels like the universe is just against me. This one job I've been trying to get done for, like, weeks. And friggin', I, I would have had it done by the end of the day today, but just every single day this week, it was just somebody had to come up with something different. I had to stop what I was doing. It's uh, one of those kinds of things. See, the weirdest thing I did this week was... Um... So because we're not a production shop, we're like, we're technically a glorified maintenance department. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like no time limits or anything. We basically, it's kind of free range, honestly, in a lot of ways, unless it's a really hot job or something. But <clears throat> That's pretty um, nice. It's not bad. It's it, it's both stressful and not stressful at the same time, because sometimes you'll get like something that's like, they need it yesterday, but then other times it's like, yeah, we need this whenever. Yeah. Um, plus we're unions, so. There you go. There's that perk. But um, I've, I had this one job where it was like, I, had, where I was basically making name tags for a display display case. And the uh, the final part was I had to make these uh, little screws. And the screws that they bought, the material was like too soft. So if mm-hmm. I tried to like turn it down or face it off, it would, um, it would bend instantly the second the tool, the cutter touched it. Oh, jeez. And these were tiny little screws, so it would just like immediately bend. And I'd be like, all right, this is impossible to do. <laughs> so I was like looking through alternatives. I tried maybe like holding it directly by the threads, but the threads were too short, so I couldn't do that. Mm. So then I was like, fuck it, I have to make a fixture. So I had to make this whole aluminum like block that I could screw the screws into that would hold them rigid enough that I could just kind of lob off the tips that I don't need with a cutter that took me two and a half days to make because i was basically i took a solid block of aluminum and just like straight up made it out of that um oh the thing you posted on the discord yeah gotcha (laughs) two days to make and then um i did the job it kind of worked what i was trying to do the problem was these things were so light that the second the cutter hit them they'd unscrew and i'd be like shit (laughs) um but it, it, I got it to work, but literally t- two days worth of work on on that piece, and now it's literally a desk ornament because it has legit no purpose anymore. Jeez. Uh, about how big would you say that is, like, lengthwise? Uh, it's a, a, little, a little bit longer than my phone, so like kind of like around like this. Oh, okay. So not, not as big as the picture made it look. No, the most tedious part of it was there's 33 
uh, threaded holes in there, and I had to do all of them individually, which was fun. But, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the plates I've been working on, are, it looks kind of similar, actually, to, to what you posted, but it's like twice the length of my laptop. It like barely fits into the cabinet where I blast it all and like makes it really hard to maneuver. Just, I don't know, something about the material is made out of maybe because like the second you, even with gloves on, the second you touch it, you end up with a, a big black fingerprint on it. Yeah. And then you just got to reblast the whole thing because it's just something about it. Like if you, if you have to redo one part, you have to do redo the whole thing. So it's just really irritating. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's funny how shit like that. Like I have legit a collection of one-off fixtures on my desk that I've made over like the last year or so. And they just, I don't want to scrap them because you never know if yeah. you might need them again. But like legit, I have not used a single one of them twice. So they're just <laughs> all sitting on my desk. I, I, I use them as trophies now. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, some of them I put serious work into. Like there's one that took me like three days to make and it was like made out of like four different sections and I had just bolt it all together just to do this one welding job. And then I've never done it since because they decided they would, it was easier just to outsource it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I took pride I in that though. <laughs> I'm sure. I forget. Did, um, did Richard's ever have issues with like, oh, we need to get like, like, do they like come up to people a lot with priority jobs or do we just kind of do what we did? I feel like, I feel like it was a lot more lax there. I think it was always kind of like, I think only like, certain employee i'm not going to name names but uh yeah certain guys uh you know in particular uh had were kind of like the guys who did all the specials and they were probably like the more high priority stuff because everything else was basically just orders from the uh the medical company that we that used to supply us or does still i have no idea uh, who even <laughs> knows at this point yeah nothing ever seemed super i mean I, I guess they needed certain things done but like at the same time it was kind of like it was kind of like you basically were doing that anyways. Yeah, because where I'm at now, I feel like I'm I'm constantly having having uh, you know, higher ups come up to me and they're like, "Oh, we need to get this one before you do that one, and this one, and this one." And you know, I feel like I never had to deal with that at Richards. It was always just kind of, "Yeah, just grab whatever's on the shelf." Yeah, like you. Well, you had the benefit of you were in the straightening department, and like it was kind of there was just always work there. Oh yeah, for for a while. Not. Not so much near the end, but yeah. Well, I mean, everything was drying up towards the end. <laughs> yeah, and the guy who was running that for the most part seemed to kind of have a schedule like set up down for the most part, at least mm. for what I saw. But yeah. yeah, it's weird. Some companies. The nicest thing about working in a, a not a union like non-job shop though is we're not ISO, so we don't have to deal with any of the ISO shit. There you go. That's one of our one of the things at my place where it just ISO is always always in the middle of everything. Yeah. No, we got shit everywhere because we're not ISO, so we don't have to follow any of that BS. We just have to make <laughs> it look presentable when the uh, the, the higher ups from a uh, corporate show up. That's about it. There you go. Yeah. Other than that though, nothing too crazy. I experimented with ordering books from Barnes and Noble. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not impressed. Like, my order ha was supposed to arrive on Monday, and it's still not here. Really? Yeah, and it's apparently been in my town for like three days now, according to the tracking, and they just haven't delivered it yet. Well, it seems like Barnes, like, from what you were telling me with releases and stuff, it seems like Barnes & Noble is kind of pretty lax about that kind of thing, so. 
Yeah, I, feel like I think it'd be better off just going to the store and getting it. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do for the for the most part. I had gift cards, so I was experimenting with the uh, how their online store worked. Which that. I mean, it's convenient that you can look up the books immediately, but at the same time, it's kind of like I, Amazon probably would have been faster. Yeah, that's usually if I'm ordering books, I go just go to Amazon, unless it's a very specific book, and like it's either super expensive on Amazon or just not there at all. Then I'll go to eBay. Yeah. Even even then, you know, I usually don't have too much issues with shipping on eBay either. eBay is generally the best. I've only had one issue with eBay this year. Mm. Um, yeah, me too, uh, actually. Amazon, I've had multiple issues this year, so. Oh, really? Yeah, pa- like, I've had four packages get lost in the mail. Oh, yeah, because you're still waiting. Uh, you lost that Yu Hakusho game, didn't you? Was uh, that, that, was that, that was the one eBay. Oh, um, I see. That just the seller has no idea. He says it just stopped appearing on shipping and they have no idea where it is. And then unfortunately it's really nothing the seller's fault. So I, it's like I really can't complain right. to them. So it's kind of like one of those like it sucks to suck kind of situations. Yeah. But I gotcha. It is what it is. My uh, copy of Dragon Ball Super 15 finally showed up. So I have I'm caught up with uh, that one now. Nice. And uh, maybe in February, when the the last volume for the granola art comes out, we start going through those. Maybe we can start covering the super manga. Hmm. Yeah, I do want to start reading that pretty soon. I want to do that. I gotta also. I, I think I'm thinking about starting the next section of Pokemon Adventures, just so we can be at least ahead of the game. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that too. But yeah, but other than that, though, nothing too crazy. Um, Speaking of Dragon Ball, though, uh, our topic for this episode is actually, as we alluded to last week, we're going to be talking about Dragon Ball video games this time around. Oh, geez. And there is a lot of them. Oh, yeah. And I I played many of them. (laughs) Yeah, like there's so many to the point where it's almost. It's almost intimidating. Um, Oh, yeah. And they date back all the way to like 86. We didn't. We did not get one until like the nineties and even then that was at the time not even a Dragon Ball game. Yeah. Um, so I guess best place to start would probably be talking about Dragon Power. Yeah, one of the few pre two thousands Dragon Ball games I actually have played and currently own. Yeah, I found it for three dollars at Bowser's basement on the shelf. I saw it and I was just like Fuck it, why not? And I was joking. I'm like, <laughs> it's the first Dragon Ball game. It's like one of, it. one of the worst games I've ever played in my life. It's like a side-scrolling beat-em-up platformer hybrid that like isn't fun in the slightest. Mm-hmm. And their censorship of it and like alterations to make it not Dragon Ball are just fucking hilarious. It's so silly. Like um, uh, some of the name changes were great. Um, what was it? Yamcha was like Lance or something. Lancer. Like, um, what the fuck does that mean? What the hell was Oolong had a weird name too. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Squidgy. Oh, no, no, I'm thinking it's Pudgy. Pudgy, that's what it was. Yeah. Bulma oh, was Nora for some reason. Yep. Uh, Pilaf was King Minos. Yeah, it was uh, Roshi was like a wizard or something, right? Yeah, the wizard. Uh, the Kame, Kamehameha was the wind wave. Dragon yep. balls were crystal balls. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that, that game was something else. Wasn't Goku still Goku, though? I think so. I think that was like one of the only things that stayed the same. But they they got rid of his hair and made him like a monk with like that looked almost like a monkey kind of. Yeah, it feels like, which is weird because I think that was Toriyama's original design for Goku was a, like a like an anthropomorphic monkey. Well, doesn't that make sense? Because that's kind of what the Journey to the West story kind of goes by. Pretty much, but um, I think it was something along the lines of like. It, I, was it Torishima? I think Torishima, his uh, his old editor said something about the design and wanted to make it more human. So he ended up just doing the tail thing. But... Yep. And the the best edit this game included was by far uh, Master Roshi's uh, <laughs> uh, panty circle was changed into a sandwich orgy, which was uh, just great. Oh yeah, and the funny thing—I mean, I never got this far because the game is so utterly broken. But apparently, if you collect all the Dragon Balls, you can wish for the uncensored version of that scene. My favorite, too, is... Uh, so I uh, used a Game Genie to just see everything, because fuck playing this game. But um, For real. Um, I kind of, like, watched uh, all the... Uh, I looked at what all the uh, wishes were. One of them literally gives you a sneak peek at all of the levels ahead of you, and it literally flashes through them in, like, three seconds, and it's like, well, that was worthless. Yeah, right? That's stupid. I think one of them is you can watch the sandwich cutscene again as well, just because. Well, I think that that's probably what I was talking about. It probably is the, it, but I mean it's also NES, so the sandwiches and the panties are look the same pretty much anyway. So it's such a weird. It's supposed to be like a, referencing the scene where Bulma flashes Roshi early on in the series, but yeah, yeah, that was a. That game is so shit, but it's like this weird like piece of history. I think it's actually like the second Dragon Ball game technically made. Really? I thought it was the first. It's the first official one. There was one on some Japanese cassette player thing. Oh, okay. You know, the thing about this game is it wouldn't even be that bad if the health wasn't also a countdown timer. That's what really yeah, the game. I don't know what... NES gaming is weird. So, like, even if you don't get touched by an enemy at all, you're constantly losing health. Yeah. Other than that, though, like, the NES had a bunch of Dragon Ball games, but we did not get any of those. There's, like, some of them are, like, these weird card RPGs, which would be a running theme in Dragon Ball games. Mm -hmm. um, then there was also some fighters, although NES fighters kind of suck, so there's not really much to talk about there. Right. Um, any other thoughts on the NES games or? No, I mean, Dragon Power is the only one I've, I've ever played. I, I, I have a Super Nintendo Dragon Ball game, but I never got the chance to play it because my Retron died before I had the chance. Okay. Uh, I yeah, don't they... remember which one it was. It was like Goku Densetsu or something. Super Saiyan Densetsu. Something like that. Yeah, I know, um... A lot of the uh, a lot of the SNES ones were like mostly fighting games, like the like the Super Botoden. I'm gonna these names are very hard, so I'm gonna mispronounce a lot of them. Uh, there was a lot of those fighters, and they look really cool, but like they also look like they're a pain in the ass to play. Oh yeah, like just from like a design standpoint. Apparently, uh, Super Bot. Bo Dodin got released on the Switch in 2018. 
What? Yeah. I'm not looking into that because I've looked up Dragon Ball games with the Switch store. Maybe it's only in Japan. Well, no, it says North America. All right, now I'm oh. really confused. I have to like. Are you sure it doesn't say 3DS? Because I'm pretty sure um, when Extreme oh. Shodan was released on 3DS, uh, if you pre-ordered it, you would have gotten a download code for for Super Butoden. It was a pre-order bonus in Dragon Ball Fighters. That's what it was. Ah, uh, shit! I did I pre-order Fighters? I think I pre-ordered Fighter. Oh, not for Switch though. I pre-ordered it for PlayStation. That yeah. that's that's what it is. Damn it! That's weird. <laughs> and two missed opportunities for that game now. Apparently, if you pre-ordered Extreme Bododin, that's a game we'll be getting to later for 3DS. You could have got Super Bododin too. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I missed out on that, but uh, those exist. Mm-hmm. They're decent fighters from what I've heard, but... Nothing... At least for the time. I've emulated one of them, and it's like, it it's it looks nice, but like playing them is a pain in the ass, which you say for a lot of Dragon Ball games. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's also Dragon Ball Z Hyper Dimension. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. I've heard of it. I never played it myself, though. What was it for? It was another SNES one, and it was like another fighter, but it wasn't part of like the Super Bedouin games. I definitely, I, I think I've seen footage of it played before, but I've never played it, it myself. I've seen footage. It, it's like weird. Maybe I think maybe Team Four Star did a Let's Play on that because I, like, I, I generally don't watch Let's Plays, but I used to watch Team Four Stars, especially during um, like the Christmas season because they always used to do like a bunch of all Dragon Ball games during that time of year, mm. which is always fun. Now, moving ahead, we can get into like the era where we actually started getting Dragon Ball games. Cause there was a couple for like the PS3, not PS3. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, PS, <laughs> PS1 uh, Saturn era. Mm. There's actually two on the Saturn that I imported. There's like, I think one of the Saturn one of the Saturn ones is another like Bododen style game and it it's hard to play without knowing what the button combos are. Yeah. Uh there was this other one that was like you'd play as like three characters at once and it, and I started a match of it and it was just insanity on the screen and I just turned it off cuz I'm like I don't know what's happening there so I'm just going to stop. So wait, it was a it was a fighter but you control three characters at once? Yeah, you had like three characters at once and like they were all doing stuff at the same time, flying around and shit. I was like I'll show it to you sometime if you ever if you're ever down here. Uh it's 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 insanity. That's fucking wild. <laughs> but moving on now, we'll get to the first official game to see a release over here. And I believe that was Dragon Ball GT Final Battle. Which is a really weird one to start on when you think about it. like, Especially first, because it came out before Z was dubbed, period. Yeah. Um, really odd. And it had, like, I haven't played it personally myself, and that's honestly one of the big holes in my, my Dragon Ball fandom. Because it's one of those ones that everybody remembers from back in the day. But um, it was weird because it had characters from, like, all the series, pretty much. Yeah, there was five Gokus. Yeah, well, I mean, it has a trend that didn't end anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, in this game, literally half the roster is Goku. It's like, just silly. Uh, fun fact about this game, too, is there was actually 
So it actually got a North American release in 97, all things. Mm-hmm. And it has two versions like that were released. There was the original 97 Bandai printing, which is extremely rare, but it has like Goku in his uh, GT era E before he gets um, oh, uh, yeah. de-aged. Um, that version only came out in limited quantities. And it, like we said, this was before Dragon Ball was localized, period, over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's incredibly rare. There was later a much more common release that came out around 2000. Four, which featured uh, Super Saiyan 4 Goku on the cover and it was released by Atari hmm. and it's much easier to find which is hilarious though because their game, the games other than the cover art are literally identical that's about right and it's, it's you're basically you're paying significantly less for a different cover art basically yeah um as for the game itself, though, it's like a really shitty 3D fighter. As a lot of them were at the time. The most interesting part of the game is the fact that there is a full voice cast, and they're like it's like the most random voices ever. Yeah, it was not the one that Steve Bloom played Goku. Yeah, Steve Bloom is Goku. It, it, it's very jarring when you play because you're like, none of these voices sound right. Nah, it's definitely definitely bizarre. Yeah, it's. That's one that, like, if you find it for cheap, I'd say, sure, give it a shot. But, like, otherwise, I wouldn't bother. Right. Uh, The other game from this era on the PS1 was probably the the famously titled Ultimate Battle 22. Hmm. I've heard of that one. I've never actually played it myself. Um, It's bad. Yeah, actually, so, I think I saw. Uh, was it Rick playing that the other day? I think I, I think saw him post something about it. I'd have to relook. I, I know he was playing Legacy of Goku for a while there. Yeah, well, that's one I'm definitely gonna have a lot to say about when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- the best way to sum up the uh, the game is it's essentially a 2D fighting game with like PS1 era sprite graphics, uh, and it controls like poop. Yeah. The most interesting part about it is there's actually a secret code that you can do at the title screen to unlock like five more fighters. And then it becomes Ultimate Battle 27. <laughs> um, and there's like 27 different fighters. And they're like, the, the character select screen is great because it's literally all the sprites just smashed together on one screen. And you just kind of slut pick around and it like, they'll light up in this like giant blob of sprites whenever you select them. It's, it's great. That's so weird. But um, also one of the best things is like the uh, they did like anime scenes like for each character. And uh-huh. the playable character in game is uh, Gogeta. But the anime cutscene is Vegito. <laughs> <laughs> just, oops. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the whole the whole thing is just dumb. It, it's one of those games that like you only play it because it's cheap and no one cares about it. Yeah, it's so bizarre that they would make that kind of mistake though, because like it's not like Japan doesn't know these things. I don't think the team who made it was really paying attention. I guess not. I mean, at that point, Dragon Ball was already a huge phenomenon over in, over in Japan. It had already wrapped up by that point, all of it. So 
it just seems like a really big oversight. Yeah, this game wasn't well received even in Japan, so I don't think the team that made it really cared much. Um, the only other game that I can think of from what I like to call the pre-Budokai era is um, Dragon Ball Legendary Super Warriors on the Game Boy Color. That's one I actually did play a lot as a kid. It's like a tactical strategy game. Yeah, it's a card battler. It, a, a common uh, occurrence in the Dragon Ball <laughs> games. Yeah. Yeah, that was a kind of a fun one because it was weird because there would be levels in that game where like you'd be on a map and you'd have to go around and like find a couple things or whatever, or you'd have to go and encounter something. But it wasn't like a super involved, um, a super involved setting to move around in. It was pretty much just mostly battle after battle. Yeah, it was like it was a weird. It was just a weird game in general. Um, it was developed by a company called Fight uh, Flight Plan. <laughs> I'm not sure what else they made. Oh, they made Summon Knight. What a weird parallel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember this one being fun though, for the most part. Yeah, I mean it was solid. It, it, I don't know with a card battler, it's kind of hard to really like screw it up and the, i mean the sprite animations were decent for the time for a game Boy color game yeah no it, it looks pretty good the music's fun enough the only thing that throws me off about it is the cover art gohan just looks fucking weird yeah for sure it's um, like he's supposed to be super saiyan there but he's not yeah oh, there's a lot of weird stuff about this game there's actually a surprising amount of playable characters in it too hmm uh, this one actually came out around the time it was officially released in America, too, because this game was apparently made in 2002. So most of Dragon Ball Z was out by then, I believe. Was it 2002? Yeah, that's when this came out. In America or? Everywhere. Oh, I could have sworn it was 98. No, 2002. Oh, must have gotten mixed up somewhere. Yeah, uh, that's the last one, though, of the pre-Budokai era, because the next game is Dragon Ball Z Budokai. Yes, which is where it all began with Dragon Ball games for me. It's basically the first Dragon Ball game that's, quote-unquote, fondly remembered. Yeah. <laughs> um, Budokai is interesting, because as a fighter, it's not particularly good. Like, Well, by nowadays standards, it hasn't aged well. Right. Um, but what makes Budokai so fucking entertaining is the amount of charm and clear like attention to detail that was put into this game. Because mm. the company that made this one was a company named Dimps, who um, have quite the track record. They're uh, they're so they were formed by former SNK developers, and they're most well known as they made all the handheld Sonic games for a while. Okay. Uh, they also made. They had a handful of fighting games they worked on. Like they, um, they made the an Inuyasha fighting game, believe it or not, on a PS One. Ah. They also helped make Street Fighter Four. So they have an interesting pedigree, but uh, they also made a lot of Dragon Ball games, and their first one was uh, Budokai. 
And yeah. I, I honestly think the thing about Budokai that makes it stand out even today is the story mode. Yeah, the cutscenes, for sure. We're one of those things that like always stands out in people's minds, from what I can tell. Well, because it's the only one that really tried to do this like as faithfully as it did. Because uh, they actually re- try to recreate most of like the big important cutscenes, well, scenes from the anime like throughout the game using the in-game engine. Mm-hmm. And they actually got Funimation to vo- redub and like voice all of them. So it's like the full original funny cast. Uh, this is still pre Kai. So we still have like uh, Lindy Young is uh, Riza. And I think the original voice of um, Kid Gohan is still oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. It's like legit all the old school uh, voice actresses. I think it's still Tiffany Vollmer as Bulma as well. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think she was in the story mode much. No, I think she appears like once early on. Yeah, I think you like might see like little little bits of her on Namek or something in some of the cutscenes, but aside from that, she's not really in the game much. I think it's yeah. more so when um the second Budokai where she is the shopkeeper. Yeah. Um that's another thing about this game. We mentioned it in a, an earlier episode, but um this game has some weird like tonal pacing issues which is pretty fun yeah um especially because it has like fighting game logic at at times like when you finish a fight you'll get like rewards and stuff mm-hmm. and sometimes the rewards pop up mid cutscene yeah that was weird like one of my favorite ones is like when trunks gets shot through the chest by a cell and he's like falling to the ground and then it's like you got a capsule pops up on screen and it's like, it's like, great. <laughs> Trunks is okay. dead, but I got a reward. One thing I was, um, one thing I liked about the game too, is they actually went out of the way. To, I mean, Dragon Ball isn't a particularly gory series by any means, but the few moments it had, it did a pretty good job of recreating in the, in the original release of Budokai, not so much the, the re the remaster later on, but. Like things like um when the special beam cannon hits uh Goku and Raditz. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, like it actually kind of like showed flesh on like yeah. it was punctured. And uh in the re-release later on on PS3 at 360, it was just kind of like a black hole. Yeah, it's weird how they changed that. Yeah, I don't know why, because it feels like with time, games like that have had a lot less strict rules so i don't know why they went out of their way to make it less gory not that it was particularly gory in the first place who knows um another f- speaking of raditz another fun thing is there's some wacky mini games throughout uh this game as well oh yeah the freaking the the special beam cannon mini game was uh like killed me as a kid Hold Raditz here. Well, well, Piccolo charges the cannon. Like, yes, you're, and you're going to be drifting to one side or the other the whole time. And oh, don't spin that analog too fast, or you'll go right past it. <laughs> those so many games like that. Either like the spin the analog stick, or like another one that was like the bait of my existence as a child was like the keep the uh, the little meter in the center of the line, and you'd have to oh, like yeah. hold hold up or down to keep it there. Like those were like the bane of my existence as a child. So like. Any game that threw one of those at you, like during a story, that would just be a game ender for me for years. Yeah, and there's a couple other ones where it was like, uh, like pretty much playing catch with key blast. You had to keep deflecting it like a certain amount of times, and 
there was all sorts of stuff like that throughout the story mode of this game. Yeah, just like wacky shit that like you you could clearly tell they were still experimenting. <laughs> I also love the some of the graphics in this game are wonderful. So this is like the only game that did not use cell shaded graphics, <laughs> and the models all are really weird looking nowadays. Yeah. Especially Vegeta. He's really wide and not kind of tall for some reason. Yeah, that's true. But I still I still like using him a lot. Although I will say my my go-to character in all the Budokai games was Team Gohan. Yeah. Also, this this game was interesting because it, it ended at um Cell. Mm-hmm. Which for some people, it kind of stunk because it, like there was still so much Usaga stuff. Yeah, uh, I think for what the game is, ending itself was a pretty good place to end off. I mean, honestly, Dragon Ball Z could have ended itself and it would have been a fine ending. Yeah, agreed. Um, um, there was, there was, however, the the Hercule mode. Oh yeah, there, there was. Yeah, which was hilarious because like. I, I love that whole bit too because like as you're going through it like you, you literally take it like gauntlet style where you're playing as mr satan and you have to fight pretty much everybody who is at the cell games yeah like, all, all like back to back and I, I i don't remember i think you only got like a little bit of health back after each one like you didn't get a full a full restore um mm. Uh, but with each one that you fought, there would be like a little exchange between Mr. Satan and whatever character. But then you would also get Mr. Satan's inner monologue where he's like trembling in his boots. Yeah. Mr. Satan is just a uh, an interesting character. Like going back to uh, Ultimate Battle 22, he was in a uh, he was in that game. He was one of the five bonus characters. Oh, was and he? he and he legit is pathetic like he can't do anything like he can't fly can't doesn't have any beam powers so he's literally just a fighter and like any other character can fly so it's like he'll just be like down on the ground and you can't do anything <laughs> at least in budokai they gave him a jetpack yeah like that's a fun a fun little joke to play on it but like literally um in like the older games he was useless he was mostly there as a joke yeah, but I loved in the Buddha guy games like how all of his moves were always something. It was always something goofy as hell. Like um, one of them was like you'd be playing a Game Boy or something. You'd give the Game Boy to your opponent, and then they'd be playing it, and then it'd be like, "Oh, surprise! It's a bomb!" and you blow it up. Like yeah, just stupid shit like that. I loved it. Well, he had to like get around to the fact that he's kind of a fraud. So yeah. Um, Moving on to Budokai two though. In terms of gameplay, like in graphics, like so much better overall, like because they cell shaded everything this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, gameplay is much more refined. Like there's actual some fighting mechanics and like actual like uh, comboing in depth. The AI actually has AI this time around. Yeah. Because like how many like uh, enemies did you get caught in like the original Budokai where like you just both shoot key blasts? over and over at each other repeatedly because the AI was kind of dumb. Oh yeah, constantly. Two, they had kind of fixed this up. Mm-hmm. Two also has by far the most funky soundtrack I think I've ever heard in a Dragon Ball game. Oh yeah, there's been multiple occasions where I've just put on the soundtrack with Budokai 2 and I love it. It's like it's like a funk like 
funkadelic kind of sounding thing. It's really weird for Dragon Ball, but I kind of like it at the same time. It really is. And the story mode is so different too, especially it's for the time. Board game. It, this this board game is one of the most dis- divisive things about the Budokai series, apparently. Well, I mean, it, it might be a controversial thing to say, but this is this is my favorite of the Budokai trilogy. It's the second one. And it's also the hardest one to find. Is it really? Well, not so much. You can find it easily enough, but like, it was it was weirdly excluded from the re-release. Um, and most people don't really bring it up because like the fan favorite is three. Yeah, which I have things to say about that, but we'll get to that when we get there. There there are reasons why I like two more than three. Um, the but- board game the board game is so funny though. It is. It's so goofy, but it was like it was a fun way to kind of get around the fact that these games didn't have co-op. Because what I would yeah. often do with like my friends or siblings or whatever is um, we, we would start it up. And usually the way it would work was you, you'd have Goku and he'd be like the only like actual person on the game board. And everyone else on the game board is like game pieces with just like a face on it. Yeah. And, and whenever you would start a level um you you would have the goku one and then it would give you the option for like like one two maybe up to three um side characters they'd have like half the health that goku does but you can choose whichever ones you want weirdly enough adult go on was always on the list even in the saiyan saga um video game logic yeah but uh it was it was really cool because you could get around the whole no co-op thing by just saying like, okay, like I'll play as Goku and then like whatever, you know, you could play as Gohan or Piccolo and whenever that, that, that player's turn comes up, then you just take, you know, take the controller and we'll do it like that. Yeah. I also like during, uh, during the cutscenes where like you'd be on the game board and then the characters just pop up on screen and they just start like yelling at you about stupid shit. And I'm like, this is so it's it's very it's an interesting way of telling the dragon ball saga for like the 30th time yeah it was definitely different and at least for us over here it was the first time we actually had like from the beginning to end dragon ball z story yeah it was the first of many retellings of the dragon ball z story because spoiler warning most of these games just retell the story of z yeah which it does get old but you know the it does matter the different ways you do it yeah, there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, you're going to be seeing the Z story a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess, speaking of that, moving over to Budokai 3, this is the one that most people like. Yes, um, I guess I understand why. Uh, but but for me personally, uh, well, first of all, I liked, like, obviously having the Budokai 2 introducing the whole um, shortcut to do your regular super moves was a huge game changer. Like having to do the full punch, 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 punch energy thing in the first game was a pain in the ass, especially if you just yeah. wanted to get off a quick hit. That changed it, really changed the game in the second one. And, um, but the third one, uh, it was that that freaking ultimate mode, yeah, or whatever it was, dragon mode, whatever it was, like that kills the game for me. Like if if that wasn't a part of it, I probably would like Budokai Budokai Free the best. Um, but it just it the the um, ugh, the AI spams it, mm-hmm. 
And when when you're in the ultimate mode, you're pretty much that you get no knockback when you when you get hit, unless the person you're fighting is also in ultimate mode. So it's like it you never really can get like a solid hit on your opponent because when you're in ultimate mode, you also activate like this dragon rush thing, which would pretty much turn the fight into a rock paper scissors match, and you could very very quickly have all of your health just drained because of that. Mm. And that just made yeah. the game incredibly frustrating. The thing I remember most from this one is like the flying, like over the world map, like as Goku thing or like the story mode. That was definitely one of the best parts of it. Cause that was like the first time you really got to do that in a Dragon Ball game. Yeah. I think aside from, um, aside from legacy of Goku two, I think that was one of the only ones I could remember being able to. Yeah. Well, First console game, anyways, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Because we'll get to handheld separately. Because mm -hmm. um, following Budokai 3, so there was additional fighting series for uh, for Dragon Ball as well, but Dimps did have one final game on the PS2 era, uh, Dragon Ball Z Infinite World, which was, I guess, Budokai 4, kind of. Yeah, was that the one that only went through Cell? Or was I, that the uh, burst limit? I think that was burst limit because uh, okay. Boo and Frieza are on the cover of Infinite World, so I assume they're they're in here. Okay, that makes sense. The thing I remember about Infinite World was they fucked up the balancing, and Yamcha somehow ended up being OP. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's it, hilarious. Infinite World, you can tell, was definitely made like super rushed, like last minute. Um. Because they were, mo they, so this came out 08, so they were probably working on Burst Limit at the same time as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one is pretty not good. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's just, it's Budokai 3, but worse. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that was one of the ones I never got. And honestly, uh, actually, between Infinite World and Burst Limit, because I, I, you know, I would see them at GameStop and stuff, and I'd stop and look at them, but just based on what I saw, it just looked exactly like Budokai. I'm like, well, I've already had that three times. I really don't need another one. It's the game you play if you're really a fan of Yamcha. Yeah, that's fair. Um, um, now, aside from Budokai, we also had the Budokai Tenkaichi series. Yes, which is getting a revival soon. Yeah, out of all, all things, yeah, which I find interesting. I'm really um, excited for it. That's one of those like fan favorite series of games. So these ones to me really kind of all blend together for the most <laughs> part. Like one Budokai Tenkaichi one, two, and three. Yeah. Um the like the only one that I feel like is really worth talking a lot about is three. Um I definitely see your point. I it's been a while since I played it, but I definitely think there's there's a lot of good stuff with two. The first one was definitely more of a testing ground. Um, the first they, one is borderline unplayable these days. Yeah, the the second one improved a lot off of it, and um, I, I like the story mode of the second one. Okay, uh, that's fair. It, play, it played around a lot with like what ifs and stuff, and that's always fun. For that me. yeah, that's true. So for people who don't know, the Budokai Tenkaichi series is instead of being a two D like standard fighter like like a street fighter or something. Budokai Tenkaichi is like an arena fighter where like it's full 3D and you basically can fly around and do all this crazy shit 
um, in the battle arenas. Mm-hmm. The problem is, though, and honestly, I think the biggest like detraction for these games is unless you're a massive Dragon Ball fan and you have a lot of time in your hands to figure out these controls, these games are very not beginner-friendly. No. Like, I think the best example of this is uh, me and uh, Alex went to Retro World this year, and we actually met up with uh, uh, Schnickerman, a uh, friend of this channel, friend of the, over on the server. And um, we they had a kiosk that had Dragon Ball Budokai Tenkaichi 3 going. We played two rounds, and we had no fucking idea what we were doing. We are just uh, flying I... around and flailing and just trying to play, because I haven't played these games in forever. I don't think he had ever played them. And it was just like, we were like, what do we do? Like that's <laughs> you see it's been a long time since i've played any of them but i could i could probably get back into this one pretty quickly because i played the shit out of it when i was in like middle school i just had so much um <laughs> these games were just so like i don't know the flail the, the there's like just you, there's so many combos and stuff and like so they really make use of all the buttons on the controller yeah um Budokai Tenkaichi 3, though, I think is very notable because it has so many fucking characters. Yeah, it's it's insane how many they packed into it. it. Even now, there are very few games that come close. And supposedly the new one that's going to be coming out, um, I think this year, uh, I think they said it's going to surpass uh, Xenoverse 2, which I think is about the same hmm. for the roster. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah. they had like all the movie villains. They had like uh, some OG Dragon Ball characters, Dragon Ball GT characters, uh, way more Z characters than it needed. Like, who really needed five different versions of the Frieza Soldier? But it <laughs> yeah. you know, did it anyway. <laughs> it also had um, it also had one of the rare Chi Chi playable characters, playable appearances. You could play as Kid Chi Chi. She used the. Uh, didn't she use the Bancho fan, or was that a, a, another game I'm thinking of? That was Super DBZ. All right, we'll get to that one. Uh, it was weird, though, because you played as Kid Chi-Chi, which I found odd. Yeah, because she had the the helmet with the, the laser beam and the little um, slashy thing. Yeah, <laughs> just like the, the, the version of Chi-Chi that no one remembers. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it was wild, some of the ones that like, you could play as freaking, like, um, you could play as Bobbity in that game. Who the fuck wanted to play as Bobbity? <laughs> Like, somebody did there, like, there's, uh, there's the one Bobbity fan out there who's like yes this is my dream yeah one of the cool things was it also had like the, the giant characters too like you could play as like giant slug or Harutagarn or like literally any Saiyan character with a tail could turn into an ape if you played on a night stage yeah which is pretty cool another thing about Budokai Tenkaichi 3 is this game is absurdly expensive mm-hmm. nowadays which is something I didn't know until recently. <laughs> yeah, this is like a hundred plus dollar game now. Yeah, I still have my old copy. I got it right before it spiked. I think I paid like sixty for it, which at the time I thought was ridiculous because it was. A f- I think I got all the Budokais and Tenkaichi one and two for like five bucks a piece. So, wow. yeah. Yeah, there was a point where they were extremely cheap. Because I remember I was going around getting a bunch of the PS2 games that I, I didn't get before. That's how I got like Super DBZ and stuff. And um, yeah, I, I never got around to Burst Limit in Infinite World, but I definitely, I like 
that was the point where I was kind of moving past the 2D fighters and was going with a lot of the 3D fighters. Yeah. Um, which have kind of gotten old over the years, but because they're just they're all, the, the problem is they you can only do so much before it gets it gets old. Like yeah. Interestingly enough, though, you mentioned Super DBZ, not to be confused with Dragon Ball Super. Um, <laughs> this has to be the most interesting out of all the fighters on PS2. It's also the one that nobody talks about. Yeah, I just kind of found it by accident one day. Actually, I found it at a Blockbuster in like the used game pile. Yeah, it's like because it's it's a traditional fighter. Like it's not even like Budokai style. It's it's more like a an SNK Capcom fighter. Yeah, um, which was really um, was really jarring for me at first because I was so used to the Budokai games. Yeah, it, it's funny because it's like the most fighting, fe- it, most fighter feeling DBZ fighter. It was, I should say, the most fighter feeling DBZ fighter up until Fighters came out. Yeah, that's. I'd say though. I'd say those two games in particular are like the most competent Dragon Ball fighters. Yeah, Super Dragon Ball Z is weird too, because it was made by the company Arika, who um, they made the three D uh, Street Fighter game. They made the Street Fighter EX games. They made Tetris the Grandmasters. Hmm. Uh, they've made all those ninety nine games on a Switch, like Tetris ninety nine, F Zero ninety nine, like those crazy games. Huh. They're a really competent developer. So when I saw they made this, I was immediately intrigued. Mm-hmm. And playing this one, this is a really good fighter for what it is. Yeah. yeah this is the one that I was thinking has, it has teen Chi-Chi and she uses the Banjo fan as her weapon. That's yeah, it's, it's the Chi-Chi from the filler arc at the end of Dragon Ball. Yeah, and during like her tournament appearance, like uh, her best, the best version of Chi-Chi in all honesty. Yeah, for sure. Um it has that. It's got basically all the the main recognizable characters from Z. And it just plays really well. I don't even remember what it did for story, to be honest, if it did one at all. I don't think it did because I, I could be wrong about this, but based on like the from what I remember of like the home screen and all that other stuff, I think it might have originally been an arcade game. I think it might have been, honestly, because it, it um Arika did a lot of arcade stuff. Yeah, so I, I think it was like kind of in the same style that the old Mortal Kombat's were, where there wasn't really a story mode. It was more like a, a gauntlet kind of thing. There was probably some very basic stuff in the background that wasn't super important. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I do remember see. some of the maps. Yeah, they, they were really nice. They looked good. Like, this is a good-looking game still even today, and it plays still surprisingly well, like, I think if you want a legitimate fighting experience, this is the one to go for. Yeah. Um, I remember the, the King Kai planet. You could like actually like run all the way all around the planet while you're yeah. fighting, which is kind of cool. That was a cool idea. Um, and I think I, I could be wrong about this, but I think Toriyama had submitted his own original Mecha Frieza design for it. Yeah, maybe. Cause I remember it being different than what I remember from the show. Yeah, I think I think I remember what you're saying on that. I'd have to I haven't played this game in over a decade, so I really need to boot it up again at some point. It's been a long time. I, I don't have my copy anymore. I, I left it at an old friend's house years ago and I I, I we not had anything bad or anything. We just kind of don't talk anymore, grew apart. Um, yeah. so I just never got it back. 
a lot of games get lost that way, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, before we move on to handhelds, there's one more Dragon Ball game that appeared during this era. You remember Sagas? Oh, yeah. The lone Dragon Ball game to appear on the original Xbox. Yeah. And also, uh, I think the only Dragon Ball console game to be made in America. Yes, it was made by... It's actually a pretty well-known studio. It was made by... This Wikipedia article is not well organized. Shit. (laughs) There it is. Um, It was made by Avalanche Software, the studio that made classics like Attack and the Power of Juju, and most recently a little game called Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. I wasn't even aware of that. They've been around a while. Yeah, um, no shit. They, they made this wonderful gem of a Dragon Ball game. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I will honestly, I'll give it this. It had full story co-op, and that playing it like that is actually pretty damn fun. It is. It's although, extremely broken game, but oh yeah, the game it's <laughs> it's like an action adventure game where like you go through like levels based around the Dragon Ball Z saga. It's it's so it's like the perfect definition of mediocre, I guess you oh, would yeah. say, because it it clearly runs off of the tack engine, um, and my God, is it does it play? okay that's like the yeah. best way to explain it it's so awkward and it's like it's honestly like i don't know how much you played it back then but it's one of those things where like you don't actually want to buy all the upgrades because they will ruin your combos because it's so easy to just cheese that game with just regular punches and kicks yes but yeah it, it, <laughs> it, it, it the game is not good but it is certainly fun especially if you have somebody playing with you. And I think I it's think one of the only co-op Dragon Ball games that I can think of. One of the only... Yeah. Now that I think about it. I can't even think of another one. I'm trying to think of during the PS3 era, maybe? No, even... Well, we'll get no, to that, that eventually. Was like the, that was like the Raging Blast era, too, so... Yeah, we'll get we'll get to those in a, in a, in a hot minute, but... um. So now the handhelds from this era. This is to me the handhelds from from uh the PS like the sixth generation era are possibly the most interesting period of Dragon Ball games in a lot of ways. Because mm. we had mentioned them earlier, but we had the Legacy of Goku trilogy, which is probably the most well remembered uh yes. series of games from this era. Also and, made. Yes, they were made by the most obscure developer ever, Webfoot Technologies. Mm-hmm. They are known for their notable games are the Dragon Ball Z Legacy of Goku series and Hello Kitty Happy Party Pals. <laughs> Got some real winners right there. I think they also made a game for the 3DS that uh, had something to do with being like a garbage man or something like that. Um, The Trash Pack. Yeah, that one. Yes. I remember um, hearing about that. It was just a silly, silly thing. Oh, they made the biggest loser on Nintendo DS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Jesus. What a studio. Uh, I don't think they exist anymore. No, they're, I'm pretty sure they're long gone, despite all the rumors that... Oh, no, they're, they're, they're still going. Really? They haven't made anything in years, but they still apparently exist. It's weird. I've been hearing for, like, years and years of rumors of a legacy of Goku 4, like, a full, like... Like, not... I don't know if it was, like, supposed to be necessarily 3D, but, like, yeah, I've been hearing rumors for years and years, and I, I don't see it ever happening. No, we the closest thing that we're ever that will ever come to that is called BBC Kakarot, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, yeah, so these games are essentially Legend of Zelda Dragon Ball Edition. Yes, and uh, with the exception of the first one, they are all very good games. <laughs> yes, the first one is mediocre, is a nice way of putting it. Yes, it, it, it thinks Saga is, is a broken game. Like this one will give you a run for your money. The um so the worst part too is the legacy of Goku one literally covers my favorite part of the series too, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um two and Boo's Fury in the third game are much better games, just inherently from a technical standpoint. Like the first one is so broken, like you can do the entire final fight by just hiding in the corner running up, punching him a few times, recharging in the corner, running up, punching him a few times, hiding in the corner. It's like, yeah. it's one of those kind of games. And I mean, you you have more nostalgia for it. So I guess oh, you yeah. should explain why you defend this game a little bit. I, I remember it very fondly. Uh, defend is a strong word. <laughs> I have personal attachment to it. I, I I can't in good conscience recommend it to anyone. But it's yeah. one of those what it was the first uh it was one of two games I got with my Game Boy Advance, the other one being Sonic Advance. Um and I I played the absolute hell out of that the first Legacy Goku game and um I, I am embarrassed to admit that I I could not, for the life of me, figure out the whole hidden door thing in the Guru's Temple. Mm-hmm. I did the call concept of hidden doors was so beyond me at that age, and by the time I was old enough to have figured it out, I had lost that that copy. So I didn't actually figure that out until I was like late teen. Um, but as a result, I ended up just kind of grinding until i hit max level and then i would just start the game over and do it all over again and i did that yeah. so many freaking times to the point where i mastered that broken ass fighting system and to this day i could jump in after not playing for five years and beat the game in under two hours yeah these games are short by the way yeah they're, um, it's, they're not particularly i mean the first one is definitely the shortest one as as you go further along the series they do get longer um, I will say the sprite graphics are really nice for these games. Yeah, that's one thing it definitely has going for it. Um, and God, that you know, like the garbled ass, uh, like opening cutscene, not cutscene, that like opening like song. Yeah, did they, did they do Rock the Dragon? Was it Rock the Dragon? It was probably Rock the Dragon because this was still during the that era where they weren't really sure what they because Budokai used Rock the Dragon as well. Yeah, but I feel like. No, because Legacy of Goku didn't use actual music from the show. It had an original soundtrack. True. Um, and some of those songs just stick out in my memory. Um, but, yeah. Uh, 
it, it, it's such a such a weird game. Those wolves, man. Those wolves will get you. Yeah. Uh, two and three, thankfully, though, were much better games. Like, they fixed the combat system and made them fun. Oh, yeah. It's so much smoother. And it, even, you know, a lot of the visuals were cleaned up, too. Like, it looks looks and plays unbelievably better than the first one. That's the saddest part about um these games. They're like... The first one is so bad that it left such a bad taste in people's mouths that no one wanted to play two or three. Yeah. Well, I, the funny thing is, though, is the first game still sold over a million copies. Yeah, because it was like one of the few like GBA games out at the er- early in the system's life. Mm-hmm. And it was so recognizable. Dragon Ball was probably at its peak at that point, like commercially, yeah. uh, f- during its first wave anyways. Yeah. Um. So what's funny about Webfoot Technologies is they made other GBA games as well. Mm-hmm. And when I say made, I mean they, they made a game. Uh, <laughs> so we had two, they made two other games aside from the Legacy of Goku series. There was um, my personal least favorite Dragon Ball game ever, uh, Dragon Ball Z Tenkaitsu. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah, most, I had that one too. <laughs> it is the most mediocre 2D fighter you will ever play. It, I, it, it's a stretch to even call it a fighter. Even like it's, it's you can't even do combos in that game. It's so weird. It's, it's like a bad Mortal Kombat kinda. It just doesn't play well at all. It uses the same like weird, almost like 3D pre-rendered sprites for the characters, and they just look awful. Yeah. It is an ugly looking fighter. That is all I'll say about it. Yeah, it's it's not a pretty game, and it didn't even have the um, the upsides that things like Supersonic Warriors had, where it would have like fun little what if stories and stuff. Like, no, it was just a shitty game, and there was no no fun to the story at all. It was just fight after fight. Yeah, and then their other wonderful game they made during this era was Dragon Ball GT Transformations. The most Which- beat him up of a beat em up game you'll ever play. Yeah, which I think it was actually originally supposed to be like a Legacy of Goku games. But I, I don't know, for whatever reason, they ended up going with the beat em up route. And I mean, it... it Something tells me the budget was cut at some point. Probably. I mean, it wasn't awful, but it's definitely not what I wanted. It's such an average beat em up that you kind of just play through it and you're like, great. It's one of those like you know you go to the rental store and you have your your money to rent that one game that you've been saving up for a while, and you you have to pick wisely because you you're only gonna have so you get only get one choice. Mm-hmm. So you pick Dragon Ball GT Transformations and you finish it in a day, and you're like fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, that didn't that totally didn't happen to me back in the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not venting at all. Although, if you want to play a good handheld Dragon Ball beat em up, Advance Adventure. Advance Adventure is so good. It's a Dragon Ball game. There wasn't a lot of these back in the day. There still isn't that many. No, there really isn't. There's like. I think since this one, there's been like three. Yeah, there was and the. Who was what? The, the King Piccolo one on Wii. And then the two DS games. Oh, yeah, Origins and Origins 2, that's right. Yeah, there really wasn't much. No. But Advanced Adventure was cool because it was it was a competent side-scrolling beat-em-up 
and it played from the story uh, right from the very beginning of OG Dragon Ball through the King Piccolo arc. Yeah, which was neat because like we didn't. There still isn't a lot of Dragon Ball original Dragon Ball representation in gaming. There's not a lot of dra- original Dragon Ball anything really, which is kind of a bummer. It really, but, yeah, um, it really gets the shaft. It's upsetting. Interestingly, the the company that made the Budokai games, Dimps, made this one as well. I believe that. Um, it's definitely solid. There is also, we mentioned it earlier, but there was Supersonic Warriors, mm-hmm. and this one was developed in. It was so it was a collaboration between Kavia. I think that's the company that made Drakengard and the original Nier, and a, a company known as Arc System Works, who will, you'll we'll be hearing from them again later on. Yes, and Supersonic Warriors, I think, was probably the most competent um, handheld fighter uh, for any Nintendo system. Yeah, well, honestly, for Dragon Ball games specifically, I, I should specify. Yeah, honestly, like they were some pretty cool like sprite graphics and stuff they tried doing with this one. Like you would actually like fly up in the air and they'd uh, make it feel like you were actually in the air, which was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, played really well. Um, only downside I thought was it was a little too hectic for the GBA at times. Yeah, I, I definitely the sequel on DS was was better. Uh, yeah, in, in both playability and story. Yeah. Honestly, like it was just kind of like one of those things where I think it was like it was a bit it was too ambitious of a project for the GBA. Mm -hmm. And they rectified that with the sequel that we'll get to in the next generation. We'll be covering the seventh generation of Dragon Ball games, uh, which started with a game we've mentioned a few times, Burst Limit. Yes. Which was essentially it was. Bimps's final Dragon Ball game for a while. Uh, and it was basically Budokai on PS3, but stripped down and not as good. I didn't even realize it was on PS3. Yeah, it was on PS3 and 360. Yeah, see, I after Tenkaichi 3, as far as console games, I kind of like took a back seat on Dragon Ball games, I think until Raging Blast 2 came out. Yeah, like Burst Limit, It's it was weird, because there was like the story was like broken up into these like Z chronicle moments where they like were meant to be more like dramatic moments in the series, not like a full on retelling, like the regular games mm-hmm. and the gameplay really hadn't evolved that far from like Budokai three. So it just kind of felt like a dated game when it came out. Yeah. It looked okay for PS three standards at the time, but yeah, not a amazing game by any means. No. Um, we'd also mentioned the two Raging Blast games. Those were uh, those were by the studio that did uh, the Tenkaichi games. Yes. And, and they I, were basically uh, a continuation of the Tenkaichi style in a way. Pretty much. I mean, it kind of like really opened the gate on that. Like obviously Tenkai- the Tenkaichi game started that trend of the, the 3D arena fighter, but Raging Blast, I feel like, is when they really started to perfect it. Yeah. I remember like these games would always come out and the ratings they would get would be like atrocious because like people just didn't understand Dragon Ball games. Yeah. Um, I-, I played around a little bit on the first one at my cousin's house because he had the first one, but that one didn't catch me quite as well. It was the second one that really, um, I feel like, got got the mechanics down and made it work right. And these t- basically just retold the Dragon Ball story again, right? 
Um, the first one did. The second one was uh, kind of more of like, yeah. Do you remember the the way the story mode in Supersonic Warriors Two was? Yeah, it was kind of more like that. Only it was a weird setup where it was kind of like each character had like a constellation of stars, and each of the stars was a mission. Gotcha. Um, but Raging Blast Two did a lot of really interesting things. Uh, first of all, uh, including the plan to eradicate the Super Saiyans movie. It's not dubbed, right? No. It's uh, only subtitled. But if you watch it, you automatically unlock Hachiak, which is kind of cool. See, I, I remember that more from the uh, the, the abridged retelling they yeah. did for him. <laughs> That's our, our uh, yearly Christmas special that we watch. Xander loves that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fun. Yeah. Um, so after Raging Blast, we got... So the company that made the Tenkaichi Raging Blast games was a company called Spike. Uh, their final Dragon Ball Z game before they merged with Chunsoft was uh, another one called Ultimate Tenkaichi, which you've told me is shit. It is. It's glorified rock, paper, scissors. It's the prettiest game of rock, paper, scissors you'll ever play on the PS3. Because it looks great, but it, I've heard it plays like ass. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. is The graphics are nice, and like some of like the... I don't even want to see destructible environments because that's not really what it is. But I mean, it's definitely a spectacle. It looks nice, but it, it's it's just rock paper scissors. Yeah, and uh, it, it, I think it was the first game where you could create a character, which was fun. Um, and I did play around with that, and there was a lot, actually a lot more customization with that than at least with well. I guess it kind of depends on what you consider customization. Because there was a lot of stuff with, um, like, you, you could change your aura and your fighting style and stuff like that to match other characters. Like, But the actual, like, physical customization of, your, like, your appearance was a lot more limited. And you didn't have all your tools right off the bat. You had to find a lot of stuff throughout the map while you're playing it. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of weird stuff with the English version where uh, this was during the transition with the Kai actors. So, like, just for instance, uh, with the Frieza stuff, when you're playing the regular story mode, sometimes it was switched between Linda Young and Chris Ayers, like, mid-cutscene. <laughs> and that, that was really bizarre. <laughs> so, like, I get if it's, like, a similar-sounding voice, but they don't sound anything like... No. <laughs> I gotta re I gotta replay this to see because that sounds entertaining as hell. It is. It's a. It's definitely silly, but yeah, it's it's not a great game by any means. I remember they hyped it up. To, I think they like tried hyping it up by like throwing on the Tenkaichi name at the end to, to be like, "Hey, look, it's like Tenkaichi Four, but not really." Yeah, because it's not even. Yeah, I know in Japan it's not part of that series. They they just did that over here to try and make it more profitable yeah um, and which did it work i don't really know yeah i don't know what their sales were like but i bought it so i mean you got at least one sucker i own a copy of it but i mean the, the i mean the concept of the creative character was enough to draw me which is what really brought around the the population of xenoverse i think mm. uh there was also one more game in this style and it is Arguably the worst Dragon Ball game ever made. Did you ever get to play Dragon Ball Z for Connect? I did not. I never got the Connect. 
So I have a Kinect, and I bought this game, of course, because I had to know. It is the one game that I think gives Sonic Freeriders a run for its money is the worst piece of shit I've ever played. I believe it. It's just Tenkaichi, but motion controls, and it it's terrible. Like the control is so bad. I I've, I've seen I have seen um, some footage of it, like, uh, and based on what I saw, it's Ultimate Tenkaichi with motion controls. With you're throwing out your back doing some fucking aerobics, basically. Yeah, which is just silly. Like this is. Uh. Um. Although I think that one uh, came with the episode of Bardock special, did it not? It did. And that movie also splits the fan base in so many ways. Oh, yeah. Big time. Although I'd say probably not as much as Dragon Ball Minus, which also gave a very different portrayal of Bardock and a lot of people don't particularly care for. But He was a brilliant scientist. Yes. Um, Still my favorite dubbing thing ever. Um, it's up there for sure. So we had mentioned it earlier, but there was also another Dragon Ball game that released during this time uh, for the Wii, Dragon Ball Revenge of King Piccolo. I never played this one. I I, I technically had a Wii. Technically, I still have a Wii, but it's at my mom's house, and I think the only one who plays it is my little sister, if even at this point, because she's kind of at an age now where I don't think she's that interested in that stuff. But... um. Yeah, it was just not one I never really got to. What what kind of game is it? It's an action adventure beat 'em up with minor platforming elements. Okay, so it's so it's kind of like Advanced Adventure. Kinda, it's like a three D interpretation. Um, it's not bad, but I wouldn't call it good either. Is it just the King Piccolo saga, or does it go beyond? I don't remember i believe it is mostly i think it starts with red ribbon like and then ends with king piccolo okay it's almost kind of like it's a continuation from origins 2 in a, in a sense hmm because that kind of ended with the red ribbon saga yeah um it's fine it, it plays okay it was made by media vision which is kind of interesting that that's the company that made wild arms on ps on the PlayStation, the the Western RPG. Um, yeah, but it's it's fine. It's a very unoffensive, mediocre game. Fair enough. I'd play it over half the games that released for Dragon Ball on PS3. That's fair. <laughs> looking down this list, most of these games are kind of shit. Like Raging Blast, who is probably the best game. I used to play this shit out of like, it. was one of the few, uh, one of, if not the only, um, Dragon Ball games that I actually convinced my friends to play with me, like, fairly regularly. And for, for a while, it was, like, our regular games we all played together. And I gotta tell you, in Raging Blast 2, I used to kick so much ass with Adele. Hmm. Because, like, she obviously she didn't have any key moves, so, like, all of her combos were physical, and you could just, like, run, like, fly right up to the guys after your combos. So I would literally just get them in an endless combo loop because as you're hitting with regular punches, you're also gaining key. So you, you do that, you do a, sp- a special move, which is all physical attacks with her, and you just get them in an endless loop. And it was it was fun. <laughs> yeah. So 
There was one other Dragon Ball Z game released during this era, and it is like literally the most forgettable, forgotten game, I think. Did you play Battle Z? I played it for like 10 minutes. That's not a good sign. Um, well, I did learn more about it later on, and I, I think I know what my problem was with it. Is with Dragon Ball games, you don't expect to have the main focus of it be cooperative play. That's true. And I think that was, I think what Battle of Z was, was meant to be a Monster Hunters-esque Dragon Ball game. Yeah, because it's interesting, because this is the first game post uh, Battle of Gods, because Beerus is featured prominently on the cover. Yes. Along with Goku, it is super saiyan god form um it also has pretty much every major villain from the series at that point mm-hmm. including this really like goofy og brawly on the cover which i find really funny <laughs> um yeah this game is weird because it's like an action role-playing yeah kind of like monster hunter no way mm-hmm. yeah because that was one of the things is like i tried to play the game alone and apparently that's not not the correct way to play this game and by the time i learned that it was already like all online playability was already gone on all the systems and it was on for yeah they didn't even sell it on the vita store anymore by the time i found that out oh yeah it was on vita of all things it was the only dragon ball game on vita to my knowledge um but yeah by the time i learned that uh, the internet capable devices that it was for had all shut down their internet capability by that point. So I lost my chance at that one. Yeah. It, it seems like one of those games that would have been lit if it came out at a different time. If it had come out like five years later, I think it would have done a lot better. Yeah. So there was technically one other Dragon Ball game that released on PS3 360, but it is a cross-gen game that also released on PS4 and 1. So I'm going to save that for once we get to that section of the list. I think that's a good idea because that was part, I mean, I know it's technically the end of this set of Dragon Ball games, but I think that was kind of like the beginning of the current generation of Dragon Ball games. Yes. Uh, That's why I'd like to separate that from the rest, because we also have some more handhelds that we should talk about. Uh, First off, we mentioned earlier Supersonic Warriors 2. Mm -hmm. Basically, same game, just better. Yeah, better, better mechanics better graphics uh i believe more characters more stuff with story what ifs and such which are always fun that's always one of my favorite things of dragon ball games is the what ifs uh we also speaking of one ifs we also had the wonderful dual releases unfortunately these games are really rare and hard to find now but we had the dbz shin budokai games for psp i played the shit out of those games when i was a kid uh especially the second one so after dimps kind of fell out of favor with the consoles for console games they basically retreated to the psp and they made a they thrived making psp budokai games for a while oh yeah the shin budokai games were so much fun because like they were pretty much entirely the story was what ifs where uh, the one i remember most prominently was the second one and that one was kind of like a 
it was kind of like a continuation of Future Trunks' story where Bobbity uh, and Devorah show up and it's like a whole thing where they're reviving Boo and then they uh, Trunks like makes like this big like supersized time machine so he can bring everybody to the future and you know craziness ensues. I just love because those games are all competent fighters like they're not groundbreaking by any means but they're uh, they're competent enough to play and the stories are just so absurd that you you just like have to watch. Oh yeah, it's it's so much fun, and it ha- kind of had the same element of uh, Budokai Three, where you fly around mm. on on the planet, but it you know it's a lot more simplified, and it involved like having to protect the cities that are being rebuilt since the androids and stuff. It was a really cool concept, hmm. and it was oh, even well, branching paths in the story depending on how you do on each level. Yeah, like these games were perfect for the PSV. Like, I. I need to hunt them down because I my copy I had as a kid is long gone. It probably got destroyed, honestly. My my copy of the first one um, had an issue with it, like the the plastic on the little disc case popped out, so that that disc is long gone. But I still have my copy of the second one hmm. uh, at, at my mom's house. I have like a little uh, like plastic shopping bag with my PSP and a bunch of PSP games in it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately they're expensive now so it's going to probably be a while before i track these down i believe um the ds also had a bunch of dragon ball games including one of the weirdest obscure ones which was dragon ball z i'm going to butcher this name harukaru no harukan aru densetsu yes i i, I remember that's this one specifically even though i that's I, the, <laughs> That's the U.S. title, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never played this one personally, but I remember it specifically from the Consentry podcast because there's yeah. a whole little bit they did where um, uh, where Mike had uh, pre-ordered it from GameStop and he had gotten like a recorded voicemail saying that his game was in, but the way that they pronounced the game was very silly, and he made like a huge joke about it. Yeah. Um. So I don't own this because this this game's absurdly expensive like most ds dragon ball games are nowadays but um uh it's essentially another card-based rpg so there's a lot of card-based rpgs apparently this is like a a reimagining of like a series of these that released for the nes Mm -hmm. and super nintendo i believe i intend to play it at some point if i ever find a copy i'd like to give it a shot but uh well i know the collector and you want the originals yeah but if you just want to play the game, that the little DS chip thing that I told you about, yeah, I'm sure it does. I, it's one of those. I wish I picked up more of the Dragon Ball games back when they were cheap because me too. They've all gone up so much. Um, yeah, and I guess going from there, we should probably mention another DS one, Dragon Ball Origins, which was literally another legend of zelda-esque dragon ball game only it takes it's based off of og dragon ball yes which would have been a lot better if it wasn't severely reliant on the touchscreen. it very much reminds me of wind waker no not not wind waker um phantom hourglass mm-hmm. which yeah i mean they're fine they're not great i, I love the original dragon ball aesthetic because it doesn't get enough love anymore Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really interesting, like, like the the three D models and stuff for the game weren't weren't for, weren't that bad for the DS. Um, and 
they did a pretty good job like kind of recreating a lot of the scenes and stuff like i was honestly surprised they actually recreated the scene where goku takes off all his panties at the beginning of the series i, yes. wasn't, just, I wasn't expecting them to do that at all because it looks such, like such a cartoony game yeah i know it was it was such a weird um weird um it was just a weird like thing overall like they really it, i was surprised um uh, I was surprised they actually went as far as they did. Because um, mm. there's two Origin games total. Um, they're both the same, basically. One covers the first arc, like the Pilaf stuff, and then the next one is Red Ribbon, and then they just stopped after two. Yeah. Which, I guess, well, I think it's because Game Republic, the company that made them, went out of business. That makes sense. Although you think somebody would just pick it up after that. But I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how successful these games were. I don't think they were super successful. I think I picked it up because it was cheap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another game that came out during this period, we mentioned Dimps was making games for the PSP that were surprisingly good. They made Dragon Ball uh, Evolution on PSP, the best thing to come out of that movie. It was honestly a very good game for what it is. For what... <laughs> Despite the source material, it was actually very well made. Yeah, like it, it basically well, it plays like Budokai. Yeah, um, it looks like the movie, which is kind of weird, and it has a story mode based off the movie, which is even weirder. But and like, it also adds stuff to it, like it, it brings up the fact that Goku is a Saiyan, even though that didn't come up in the movie at all. Like, there's a bunch of yeah. weird stuff like that. I put a, a lot of focus on those weird, like, like blood clone things that Piccolo made in the movie. Yeah. Um, another thing I thought was really funny was uh, when I first played this game, I hadn't seen Evolution yet. Really? Yeah, I rented it at a uh, like a. When this game, did, when did this come out? Was Blockbuster still a thing? I don't remember if it was a Blockbuster or not. It might have actually been. I don't know. I don't remember what Blockbuster went away. Uh, I rented it from somewhere though, and I played it and. Uh, when Chi-Chi appeared, I was like, that's supposed to be Chi-Chi? Yeah. <laughs> I was also questioning why they were in high school for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really make much sense if you haven't seen the movie, huh? <laughs> no, it made no sense at all. I was so confused. I get but it was fun. It was fun to play. No, it was well made. And, I mean, Piccolo looked cool. That's one thing I'll, I'll give Dragon Ball Evolution is Piccolo looks cool. Yeah. Even What's despite fun? the fact that he doesn't have the right antenna. But yeah, whatever. What's funny is, though, because I played that game first, when I did eventually see Evolution, I wasn't nearly as caught off guard, but I was more like, oh, it all and makes now, sense now. Now it all comes together. I was like, wow, this is shit. Yeah, it's um, not great. So that existed, but then we, the DS also, so the DS and PSP were very health, had very healthy uh, libraries at this point. Mm-hmm. And one of the games that I believe was most significant during this era and tragically only got one entry was Attack of the Saiyans. Yes, which uh, I'm actually currently midway through playing right now. So for those who don't know, Attack of the Saiyans is a turn-based RPG, like the lone turn-based RPG in the Dragon Ball series. At least since, like the old days, like the NES, Super Nintendo days. Uh, and those ones, I believe, only came out in Japan. Yeah, and I think those ones were also card-based, partially. 
that's fair. I, I, I don't know a wicked lot about them. I just know that there was turn-based RPGs for Dragon Ball back then. Yeah. This is the first, like, traditional one, though, like, like, like Final Fantasy-style turn-based. Yeah. Um, and what makes it interesting is it was developed by Monolith Soft. And for those who don't know, Monolith Soft was the studio that made, excuse me, uh, made uh, Xenosaga. They also made Byton Katos, and they're currently the main developer. They're owned by Nintendo now. They're currently the developer of the Xenoblade Saga, Xenoblade series. Oh, wow. They were briefly owned by Namco, though, and I believe that's partially why this game existed, because Bandai Namco has the Dragon Ball license for games, so they made this game, and this game is really cool because it, it's literally the Saiyan Saga once again, but they start in, like, original Dragon Ball. Yeah, they start with the the last tournament of original Dragon Ball when Piccolo Jr., like, the Piccolo that we all know came came around. Yeah, but what's cool is they also have... um. They also have there's like these brief little periods like where you get to see what Krillin was doing during that time period, what uh Yamcha, what Tien were all doing, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. Like I wish they did more of that. Like gave us some full explanations. Yeah, and you get um, like, get to explore a lot more than than you do in a lot of these games. Yeah, I was bummed that you didn't actually get to fight all the fights in the tournament though. They kind of skip right to Piccolo, which was kind of lame. Yeah, but I mean. It- you get plenty of time with the human characters and stuff. Like you, honestly, you arguably get way more time with them than than Goku. So, yeah, it's just a really cool game. It, surprisingly difficult, but I mean, Monosoft made it, so it makes sense. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I haven't had too much trouble. I know I've definitely had some points that were a little bit hard to get through, but I also haven't gotten to the end part of the game yet. So, for for light unexpected licensed rpgs it's more challenging than i expected but it's it's so unlike say there's an inuyasha rpg on ds which is dog shit this game is actually really good really they were making inuyasha games in the ds era so there's a ds inuyasha rpg that only came out in north america and was made by an american studio it is the weirdest Uh, thing that exists that's weird because i feel like inuyasha didn't do great here yeah, I don't. That's why I say it's one of the weirdest games. Like, it's the weirdest Inuyasha game. Period. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what makes Attack on the Saiyans, on the other hand, though, is a very well-made game. Mm-hmm. And even like it looks really nice too, like the sprites and stuff, and and um, they they played a lot around a lot with all the different characters' abilities, like Tien's uh, evil containment wave and um. Uh, Gohan gets some of his dragon for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I never... I don't know. It was definitely the most experimental game I think they ever did. I wish they did more of those. That would have been nice. Unfortunately, Monolith Soft got bought by Nintendo, I think, during the production of this game. Mm-hmm. So I think when Nintendo when, when when Nintendo bought out Monolith Soft, it basically cut off any chance of a, a second one of these being made lame yeah um other than that though looking at the list of other games there was tenkaichi tag team for the psp that was i believe the only psp one that i didn't play yeah 
it was i mean what i'm assuming is it was just more tenkaichi makes sense uh there was also another ds one called based off of dragon ball kai of all things called ultimate udodin um Did yeah that come out here no okay that, that makes sense i was gonna say i know i've heard of it before but i don't think i've ever actually seen it it was another fighter made by the company that made the dragon ball origins games okay hmm. interesting so there's mr car um yeah <laughs> it's funny it I, can see the, I can see the window there so i actually saw him go by <laughs> <laughs> um so now moving on to the ps4 a gen 8 era the first dragon ball games we got during this era were the xenoverse games yes and what just about this era in general though is like this is where all the games started to have kind of a shared universe yeah and also like studios were really putting effort into the games at this point yeah because i think this is around the time when I mean, obviously, from Battle of Z onward, that was the point when the Dragon Ball revival started with Battle of yes. God, Res- Resurrection F, and then um, I think by the first Xenoverse game, only Resurrection F Super hadn't come out yet. Um, yeah, and I think the Resurrection F was only DLC; like it was that that new at the time. Um, but that was the big game where they introduced creative characters, which was a, a big, big deal because people. I, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but that was something I had wanted for a long time. Yeah, it, it was cool. It, it was a cool idea, like the whole like kind of making it like an MMO almost. Mm-hmm. Um, you could create your own character. It it was made by Dimps, but it played kind of like a weird hybrid of like all the Dragon Ball games at this point. Yeah, it, it definitely leaned more towards like the um the Tenkaichi slash Raging Blast style. It's it's the arena fighter. It also was officially the um um a brain brain fart for a minute. Um, it was also the um the game that officially confirmed that GT is an alternate universe. Yes, because the whole um, Xenoverse multiple universe. It's kind of like the DC multiverse in a way of, of Dragon Ball games. Well, from what I understand, Xenoverse was meant to be kind of an extension of uh, Dragon Ball Heroes. Yes. Um, so that's kind of where like a lot of that comes from. Um, where the whole like alternate universes and stuff like that. Now, Mira and Toa are originally, uh, I believe, uh, Heroes characters. Mm. So... Are these games online or are they can you play them offline? Uh both. You you can you can okay. uh choose online or offline depending on what you're doing. So these games in other words these games won't be dead once the servers get shut down. Uh theoretically uh can, I'm not sure can you can you get the original Xenoverse on PS5 and Xbox X? Well they're backwards compatible so they should work. Okay. I wasn't sure cuz I couldn't remember if they had actually made PS4 and Xbox One versions or if they were just backwards compatible. So the Xeno, both Xenoverse games are definitely on PS4. Okay. Um, and I assume Xbox One as well. I gotcha. 
I just wasn't sure if they were online only, in which case I was kind of worried that the servers are because the servers are going to shut down eventually for these games. Yeah, no, they they. I, I very rarely play Dragon Ball games online because, uh, despite the fact that I played a lot of Dragon Ball games to the point where I'd honestly say it's pretty likely that I've spent way more time on Dragon Ball games than actually watching Dragon Ball. Um, yeah. Even I like I, I I tried playing an online match once in Raging Blast. And I didn't land a single hit. And I said, yeah. nope, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to play online. Yeah. Also, a fun thing about this era of Dragon Ball games is this was the point where we started getting original stories. Because mm -hmm. Xenoverse has its own kind of storyline going on. And, and I really then... like I really like the idea of the story, too. The whole time patrol thing with like Trunks is your mentor and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, it was a cool idea. And then we even got even farther with... Um, the next game, which is quite possibly one of the most hyped Dragon Ball games I think I've ever seen, Dragon Ball Fighters. Yes, for sure. That was that was a huge deal. So it was for backstory on Fighters. It was a traditional two D fighter developed by Arc System Works, so the studio that previously did the Supersonic Warriors games. Mm -hmm. uh, they also are the studio that's famous for Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue, Persona Four Arena. All these really highly stylized 2D fighters that are really fun and action-packed. I, I believe, did they also do Extreme Butoden? Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll get to that when we get to handhelds, but um, yeah. yeah, this game is nuts. Like, the combat is spectacular. This game is still fun to play now. This game is like, I, I think this is the only Dragon Ball game that can pet, like, serious tournament level competitive fighting game players even even the ones that have nothing to do with dragon ball no knowledge whatsoever like this game because it's just that well made it's a fighting game first and a dragon ball game second yeah like um i because i joked like super dragon ball uh, z was like the, the only fighter that was actually trying to be a competitive fighter back in the day this is the official dragon ball competitive fighter in every mm -hmm. way um, there's so many characters they've added like a ton of, um, bonus DLC characters. And the most interesting thing to me is this game has a full on story mode that takes place. The, the timing of when this takes place or if it's even canon is debatable. Well, it's hard to say, honestly, at this point, because superhero kind of confirmed yeah. that it might be re it might be canon. Yeah. Um, I don't know when it takes place in the canon, but it it, it happens. Um, the story is interesting. It's like this weird like universe where like all, all the Dragon Ball character like everyone is like paralyzed, and the only reason they can move is because your your spirit from the, our world is inhabiting their bot bodies. Yes, that's what's going it's on here. Really, really convoluted story idea. Yeah, it's like they. They trip. They were definitely trying some interesting stuff. Um, we got a lot more androids background. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a lot of development for like past uh, characters like Cell and stuff. Cell, Boo, uh, Nappa. I think they brought back. Yep. Did they bring back Raditz? Or they forget our Raditz again. They did not bring back Raditz. Okay. No one likes Raditz. <laughs> Everyone except uh, Mazako X. He likes Raditz. Yeah. He likes Raditz a little too much. Yeah, no kidding. 
<laughs> but aside from that, um, yeah, there's a ton of cool, like, interesting character interactions, too, because basically the way the story mode works is you play a bunch of battles randomly on a board. And it's another board game story mode. Yeah, although they do have fully animated cutscenes this time around. Yeah, it actually looks really nice. It looks like a prototype version of what eventually would become Dragon Ball Superhero, kind of. Yeah. Uh, definitely a lot stiffer and slower paced, that's for sure. Mm. Um, but the gameplay is great, and the story has some... Honestly, I wouldn't recommend playing the story mode, though. I'd, if you really want to see the story, just look up the cutscenes on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's a really long story mode. Like, I, long, Yeah, and it's frustrating to play, too. Honestly, I think it would have it would have benefited a lot more by kind of going more the modern Mortal Kombat route with a story mode. Yeah. Where it's just like cut scenes with battle in between battles in between. It's I think like screw attack back in the day said it best. It's like a movie, but you can play it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, unfortunately that's the only downside to this game, but other than that, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Just as a, a online fighter, it, is it's up there for sure yeah if you like, like dragon if you like dragon ball fighters you'll like this game if you like arc system works fighters you'll probably also like this game yeah it's just it's the only competitive fighting game that i actually tried to get good at yeah. uh, unsuccessfully but i tried <laughs> for a while yeah same i i gave up because i just i'm not i realized after this game that i'm just not into competitive fighting games no, I, I'm more of like sitting on the couch with my buds fighting game kind of guy. Yeah, it's, I'm the Smash Brothers player that once they turn off the items, I'm like, nope, don't want to play anymore. Yeah, that's boring. If I can't chuck Pokeballs in people's heads, then what's the point? Yeah, if it's not fucking insanity and stupid, I don't want to play it. Yeah. Um, But going back, so after this one, this is where Dragon Ball games get a little weird. We had Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission. Which is the, I believe, the first uh, heroes game, first and only heroes game we we've gotten in the West. Um, yeah, I believe so, and it's like a card game, which is partially why, um, partially why I uh, wasn't able to get into it. Yeah, it's I wasn't I I wanted so badly to get into this, but I just I couldn't wrap my head around it, and I think. I think the biggest problem with it was it, it took way too long for it to come over here. Cause yeah. The, Cause the arcade, the original arcade game version of it in Japan had been out for, I think 10 years by this point. So they had added so many cards and so many combinations and so many different story missions and so many different, uh, just so many different ways to play that. But it, it's like trying to jump into Yu-Gi-Oh right yeah. now but like with all of the new shit all of like the pendulum summonings the link summoning that's like trying to start learning how to play it now yeah uh the, the most interesting part about heroes was the cutscenes because they were all like animated yeah with um, like a very budokai like budokai 2 style uh models and stuff there was also the the supplemental like anime stuff that was I don't think canon at all. It's not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I kind of... I, I passed on this one, though. I just I couldn't get into the card stuff. 
I wanted to so bad, but like I said, I think it's just at, at, if we had gotten a, a version of this a lot sooner when there was less to it, it would have been a lot more accessible. It's just, unless you were playing the Japanese release stuff way ahead of time that you just, it's, you can't wrap your head around it. Yeah. Um, so other than that, then there was also, so the next one is the big one. And I'm going to run this by you. I think we should save Kakarot for its own episode. Probably. I mean, if we're being totally honest, Bill, I'm pro- there's at least a few things that we've already mentioned that I'd like to have our own episodes on. Yeah. I definitely have a lot to say about a lot of these games. Um, yeah, some of them definitely could use some uh, further looks. Uh, Kakarot is definitely one of those because Kakarot is literally... It's the game that all Dragon Ball fans had wanted for years. It is literally the Dragon Ball Z saga in an RPG. Yes. Um, it, it's good. Some people don't like the combat. That's unfair and understandable. Yes, uh, but also, like, if you don't like the combat, then where have you been? Because True. pretty True. much, almost, with the exception of fighters, just about every Dragon Ball game that's come out in the past 10 years has had this style, so... Yeah. Well, some people wanted like a Attack of the Saiyan style game or a, I guess a, a more simplified style like uh, the Legacy of Goku games. Yeah, well, that was kind of what I expected it to be was like kind of like a Legacy of Goku kind of thing. And I mean, while, as I said before, I I would love a Legacy of Goku 4 or, or even like a like a remastered. That has like all, set- all, all of them together. Yeah, all three of them put together, uh, you know, maybe, with maybe, one, one fixed. <laughs> yeah, fix the first one. And you can even just leave the other ones as is, honestly. And then that's all you really need. But whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get back. We're going to save Kakarot for another time because there yeah. is a lot to say with this one. Plus, I'd like to play the new DLCs before I talk about it. Yes. I'd like to finish it, too, because I'm like halfway through. Oh, you still haven't finished it. I'm I'm juggling way too many games. As always. So the last console game up to date is Dragon Ball The Breakers. Have you played any of this? uh, I haven't touched it. Um, Okay. I haven't either. I bought it and then it went on the shelf. All I know is it's a survival game, apparently. Yeah, it's kind of, from what I understand, it's like a horror survival game. Kind of like uh, Dead by Daylight or like the Friday the 13th game. Or like Digimon Survive that came out recently. I wasn't even aware of that. It's another weird survival game based off an anime property. Um, I haven't heard... Well, I haven't heard very much about the game at all, but I also haven't heard very much positive about it. But no, at the same it... time, the concept itself seems really interesting to me, and I'd like to give it a try. I just... There's so many other games right now to play. It's, it's kind of low on my list right now. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if I ever get around to playing it, I'll follow up later. Um, You know what we should do is, uh, what do you have it on, Switch? Yes. Maybe I'll get it on Switch, and we'll we'll try to work it out so we can play it together. If it's like like a co-op thing, right? It's like you can get online with like a a few people, and then... I think so. So maybe we can see if we uh, we can get into gaming together, and we'll try it that way. All All right. I'll save it for then. 
And fine. The final things to wrap up for this uh, retrospective is the handheld games from this era. Which I don't think there was that many. So there was Extreme Dodin, which was basically proto Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah, it was like a like a prototype of that kind of game. It was somewhere between the Supersonic Warriors games and the Fighters. Um, it was competent. It worked for a handheld fighter. Uh, it wasn't overly involved. There wasn't a wicked lot to it. Now the story mode is inc- incredibly basic. It's basically just like 2D sprite images of the Z saga. And the the general setup of it is very similar to Fighters, where it's kind of a board game. Yeah, it's it plays fine, but it's like I bought it used at a GameStop, and I finished it in a day, and I was like, that was fine. Yeah, and a lot of the characters in the roster are just support characters too, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, though, the other game that came out during this era is one that you have a lot of history with, Dragon Ball Fusions. This is probably one of, if not the number one favorite of uh, Dragon Ball games from this era. It's This is the game that completely overshadowed Pokemon Sun when that came out, because it came out like a month early than it was supposed to. It was like a week after Dragon Ball Sun and Moon came out. Pokemon Sun and Moon came out. And I put Sun down and never looked back. I bought this when it came out and I was amazed how deep it was for such a basic concept. It's kind of like Dragon Ball Pokemon, basically. It really is. And like they, they have so many like random like preset characters that all have their own fusions too. And there's so much to it. Um, there's so many different references. They reference things like Dr. Slump, and I think Nekomajin. Um, mm. there's, uh, they, they have characters from all the series, even super up to like the feature trunk stuff. If you've got like the, the updates. It's interesting too, cause it's got pan on the cover too. Like one of her GT era pan in like one of her rare appearances these days. Yeah. Cause she's, um, she, cause you have like a canon team for the story mode. You could have whoever you want on your team, but like the canon story team is uh you your original creative character um then you also have kid goku goten trunks and gt pan kid goku and goten what a what a it's g so it's gt yeah pretty much (laughs) but better um but yeah it's it's such a fun unique game and it really took like some of the elements that a lot of people loved about Budokai 2 with like the silly fusions and stuff, and even references them in this game, mm. but it takes it so much farther because like all the, all the actual Dragon Ball characters have their own fusions that they can do. And they have very specific people they can fuse with unless you use street pass. Um, yeah. But it, it, there's so many different combinations. There's, the, there's over a thousand characters in this game, including all the fusions, which is insane. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a game that I gotta pick up again and give another shot because it is like probably one of the most interesting Dragon Ball games that's come out in years, and no one talks about it. It like completely went under the radar. I know it. It it really disappoints me too because, especially since like everyone's always complaining, oh, it's just another Radis Taboo game. Yep. 
game every time one comes out. But this is like the most surprising and like innovative new Dragon Ball game that had come out in so long. And it was so much fun. I had so much fun with it. And I never hear anyone talk about it. Hmm. Yeah, it was a it was just weird. It just it came and then it went and now it's absurdly expensive. I would love a second one. A second one over the Switch would be great. Yeah. I think unfortunately it didn't do well enough, so they just they're gonna kinda gone. That's so sad. Especially since it's on a dead console now. Yep. So it's like it's literally just gonna fade into the background forever. Unless like for some reason they bring it back. 10, 20 years down the line. Yeah. But, I don't know, there's just, there's so much to like about it. The character interactions, the dumb little side quests, like, there's this whole, like, there's this whole stupid side quest with Vegeta's daughter, where, like, she's trying to, like, get this random, like, preset created character dude to like her, so she keeps pretending like she's in trouble, so you run in to save her, because you're like, oh no, Vegeta's daughter's in trouble. And friggin' You know, it's just it's this dumb thing. It, does Mustache Vegeta appear in this? No, he does not. Um, but you can fuse uh, Saiyan Saga Vegeta with Yamcha. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there's some goofy-ass fusions in this. Um, I'm pretty sure you can fuse Arale and Android 18, which actually is a pretty good character. Huh. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other goofy-ass fusions. Obviously, there's Tiencha. Yep. Um, there's two different versions of Gotenks. Because uh, there's, there's two different... Well, actually, no, there's three different kinds of fusions in, in this game. There's the um, there's the traditional fusion dance. Yep. There's um, uh, EX fusion, which is like a... It's a combination of the fusion dance and the Batara that, like, uh, Bulma had, like, made some sort of device to create. Hmm. Uh, and then there's five-man fusion, which your entire team fuses together, and you do, like, a shit ton of damage doing that. Yeah. But it, there's, there's so much you can do with it. And honestly, I think a lot of the creative character stuff is a lot more... It has a lot more to offer than most of these other creative character games. Yeah. And despite uh, the fact that it's a chibi-style game, it, it's just so much fun. It It's one of those games that came out at just a bad time, and it got completely overshadowed by others. Because I think Yokai Watch was also coming out around that time. Mm-hmm. And I think it just completely got overshadowed, and no one no one paid any mind. Yeah, it's, it's just so disappointing. I put so many hours into that game, and I, I still go back to it from time to time. I'm still trying to get all the characters on it, but it's just because, like, I don't know. I could talk about it for a bit, but yeah, that might be we, one we also revisit at some point after I've played more of it because I played a good amount of it, but yeah, like I said, too many games at once. And the story is fun. My favorite part of it too is that um, so you have your created character, but then you yeah. also have. Um, your best friend in the game who's uh, a Saiyan called Pinich. So you end up getting trained by Goku. He ends up getting trained by Vegeta. You won't have you both have your own individual teams. But uh, Pinich's whole deal, and you don't find this out until later on, but he actually um, looks up to Mr. Satan and like idolizes him. Mm. And it's just like super goofy. Yeah. No, 100%. 
Um, as for games, though, that's basically it. There's some obscure mobile stuff and like arcade, but like yeah, we're the most about Dokkan. Yeah, <laughs> for the most part, like the only real thing left is the new Budokai Tenkaichi game, but that's still not really. There's not a lot really announced or revealed with it yet. Now they're they're keeping it pretty close to the chest. Uh, we just know we've seen a couple like key images. I think a, a short little trailer. Uh, we got the title Sparking Zero. Yeah, weird name, but eh, why not? Well, it makes sense with the um, the original Japanese name. Yeah, because it was called Sparking. Yeah, it was Sparking. Not, I was uh, Sparking, Sparking Neo, and Sparking Meteor was Budokai Tenkaichi's one, one, two, and three. Yeah. I don't know if those are better names than what we got or worse. Still thinking about that. It's less um, of a mouthful. Yeah. Easier to type in on Instagram, that's for sure. It's kind of ironic that the more Japanese name is what we got in the West. And, you know, I think they were playing very hard off of the Budokai names branding to begin with. Oh, for sure. Because those sold, sold super well here. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Which those might. Uh, we might honestly, I don't know. We, we might have to revisit a lot of these games, at least the the ones that we specifically remember. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely come back to this. This is a this is a topic that's a bit too grand for a, one podcast. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we gave a basic rundown this time around, though, so we'll definitely revisit some of these in the future. Definitely, uh, Kakarot probably. Definitely Fusions, definitely Kakarot, probably the Budokai series, probably Tenkaichi in the future. Just the ones okay. that really, really deserve it. Yeah, I, I could probably spend a whole episode talking about the Legacy Goku trilogy as well. Yeah, we'd have to time that out where I'd, after I, so we could both replay them and then give our full, mm. a good full, full take on it. Yeah, and I, if, uh, if you need it, I can give you some tips for getting through that first one. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done it once so i could probably do it again it's just no, it's definitely it's definitely doable it's just a pain in the ass yeah. <laughs> it's just been so long that i don't remember how bad it is yeah but uh yeah so i guess that's where we can wrap it up for this one we did pretty good just under two hours that's uh that's pretty tame talking about dragon ball when i'm on here yeah, I think the problem is it's like we oh, there's so many games, but I think it's like we need refreshers to really yeah, go deep into them. For sure. Uh, this was mostly just kind of a general discussion of the games. Yeah, just kind of going over them as a whole. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll go into further detail later on when we do specific episodes on them. Yeah, I'm guessing. So next week, I'm not sure what we want to cover. Um. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll work it out over the week. Yeah. We'll have to chat this one because there's some potential ideas. We, we got to basically just plan out because it might involve reading. It might involve watching, playing something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I got a whole, I, I got a notebook for ideas for episodes. So we'll, we'll talk it over. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, guys, once again, thanks for joining us on Geek Addicts. Um, you can find Geek Addicts every week in the uh, GNC podcast uh feed and if you'd like you can find all of our links at linktree slash the barber games or you can join the gnc podcast network discord server uh, where we can talk all things 3do gnc geek addicts anime gaming or just any other topics it's a fun place everyone there's pretty nice but once again guys until next time we will see you all later have a good one